Hello, everybody. God bless you and welcome again today to More Than Conquerors program. We are just delighted you have joined us and uh, we've got some wonderful things to share with you. Terry and I have had such a good time over the last several weeks talking about, I think, the thing that has really helped revolutionize so many people's thinking about who we are in Christ Jesus that you've taught all over the world. Oh, yeah. All that is over a the world. standard, marvelous theme for your life is that topic of spiritual authority and that's what jesus died to provide legally through uh, to us through his death burial and resurrection the blood of jesus uh washing over an unrenewed heart uh gives you automatic spiritual authority in all three realms heaven earth and hell oh absolutely and that's what we want to talk to you about from the very beginning of the bible to the very end forever God intends for his people to rule and reign with him over the circumstances oh, yeah. of he life and any opposition. Old Testament, New Testament as well. Yeah, right. You know, we've been talking about this now, as you said, for numbers of weeks. Yes. Probably the whole, this I entire month. It's about I guess. a month, yeah. And, uh, and, and they're probably going to keep going. Right. But uh, <laughs> so it, do, it would do you well to go back and just pick up the last right. several weeks or all of them. Uh, just go back and, and, and look them up and listen to them. And uh, just follow along because spiritual authority is one of those things that I absolutely believe that we, the church, has not scratched the surface. I don't think we've scratched I the agree. surface. I think it's such a vast subject and so powerful, and we've just kind of played around in the sandbox. Uh, and, and and God's just, you know, I, I found some things out over the years, and uh, God was showing me some things about it when I was a teenager, and I didn't even know it. I didn't have a clue. And, and uh, then the first time that I ever actually heard the phrase spiritual authority was um, uh, we were having lunch with uh, John and Dodie Osteen. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, way back in the early 70s uh, there in Houston. And we just had lunch downtown Houston somewhere. And they said to me, they said, Terry, you walk in such spiritual authority. And I said, oh, I walk in what? I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And then later, uh, Mom and Dad Goodwin, who right. you know we've talked about before, uh, Jr. and Carmen Goodwin, they uh, were just such prophets of God, and they uh, talked to me about uh, me walking in spiritual authority. In fact, I was in a meeting one time thinking I was going to hear them preach, and they got up talking about spiritual authority and how they was going to introduce this young man that knew so much about it and walked in. <laughs> and I'm thinking, hey, praise the Lord, I'm going to learn something here. And they said, Terry, might just come up here. I said, what, me? I don't have a clue what you're talking about. But I've learned some things about it over the years, and we're going to have to learn how to operate in it more and more. Right. And so many pastors now ask me to come and do three and four day seminars or a week long or 10 days on spiritual authority. And, and I'm always delighted to do it uh, anytime we get a chance, because the more you preach on something, the more the Holy Spirit will bring out revelation. Right. That's what, you know, if you look at it this way, not only does Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection uh, pay for our salvation, and take away the sin nature and help us live more godly lives and give us the power of God to function with in the earth. But really the, the main thing, Terry, is still the same theme that God had in Genesis 126, yes, yes. that Jesus came along to give us, God said, I'm gonna give Adam and Eve, male and female alike, dominion. Yes. And then they lost it 
and gave it, turned it over to Satan. And then Jesus came along. God actually gave the priesthood and the sacrifices right. and things right. like that to help people still stay in fellowship with him. Because that's the main thing, is that the more you fellowship with the Lord and the more you study the word of God, then you begin to know who, well, my goodness, I didn't know I could do that. Right. You know, I didn't know that scripture was in the Bible. Right. Why didn't somebody tell me this was in here? You know, people begin to find out who God is, who they are, and what they can do. Exactly. And that's what spiritual authority is, is that God wants you to have spiritual authority over every situation in life. Oh, absolutely. And that's what we've been talking about, and that's what we're going to continue talking about. Yes. And just kind of dig some things out about it. And, then, of course, I've got testimony after testimony after testimony. That's right. Lots. Of miracles around the world that can test out the point or lay out the point. Well, you know, the testimonies are always the proof that it's the truth that not only have Terry has Terry done it in, in 54 years of ministry, but many of the others of us have figured this out. We've heard great teaching. We've seen what's in the Word of God. And your authority can sometimes, uh, not often, save your life and those that are around oh, you. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> well, we'll be back it in just a, a minute. It is life and death. Yeah, it's life and death. Well, we're back, and we are talking about your divine right, God-given, Genesis one twenty-seven command to take dominion, which is spiritual authority, over everything in your life. And in order to go to all the world and preach this gospel, you're going to have to have spiritual authority. No, you have to. And it was God's plan from the beginning. That's right. As I said a while ago, we've been... We've been on this subject the entire month, and we'll be on it for a while, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and there's no end to it. There's no end to it. Uh, the, as I said, the church hasn't scratched the surface, I don't think. But God intended for it to be, as we said, oh, a couple of weeks ago, God intended it. Uh, when he created the world, he intended to only have his people. That's right. He didn't intend to have two peoples, the devil's people and his people. He intended to have his people. He intended them to live in the garden. And he gave them authority in Genesis That's 126. Right. He, he said, let us make man our, in our likeness, our image, and let them have dominion. Right. Not just authority, dominion, dominate. And he even broke it down into the categories that over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the beast of the field, That's right. and over all the earth, which would include weather events mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, and then he said, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I mean, he didn't leave anything out. He wants his people to be an absolute dominion the dominating force that's right and of course he put uh, adam and eve in the garden of eden and intended for them to stay there and have their babies and finally we got there and and he's going to come down every day and play and talk no sickness wow. no sin no poverty no no that's tears right. but adam messed that up uh he sold out title deed to the devil and when he did god kicked them out of the garden and as i said a couple of weeks ago I said, you can always tell who the real owner of the garden was. The church has fought over that for years. Was it God's garden? Was it Adam's garden? No. No, I always said you can tell whose garden it was by who got kicked out. Adam got kicked out. God didn't get kicked out. God right. kicked Adam out. It's, it's God's garden. And Adam was the glorified steward and said, you right. run the place. You make it good. Make it bad. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy the animals. Enjoy the flowers. Uh, have authority. Have dominion. But it's my garden. And, uh, and so uh, when God kicked him out, the church has always thought, Renee, that God kicked him out 
because he's mad at him. Mm -hmm. You know, the church always paints a picture, and the world always paints a picture of a mean God, a mad God, yeah. an old God sitting on his throne in heaven, long white hair, wart on the end of his nose, and a big stick, and every time you move, he goes, well, I got you. And that's not God at all. God's love. And, and he didn't kick Adam and Eve out of the garden because he was mad at them. Right. Or even because he's disappointed in them. He certainly yeah. wasn't happy and wasn't pleased, but that's not why he kicked him out of the garden. Genesis tells us very, very plainly why he kicked them out. He said, he said, I've got to protect the way or the or the path to the tree of life. Right. Because they've now eaten of the of the tree I told them not to, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, but if now that they're in that sin state, that brought sin, they've, they've come into that sin state. And he said, now that they're in this sinful state, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot allow them to eat of the tree of life and live forever in the sinful state they're now That's in. Right. And he said, so at all cost, right. at all expense, even of killing them, I cannot let them eat of the tree of life in the state they're now in. So, so the Bible says he kicked them out of the garden. And not only did he kick them out, he assigned an angel. Right. He sent an angel with a, with a sword, sword, with a flaming sword, that turned, the Bible says, it turns every which way mm. and to protect not just to protect the garden, right. no, 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 to protect the way of the tree of tree life. life. And so that angel, that angel would have killed Adam right. if he had to come back and try to eat of it. I mean, God just said, I cannot let them eat of the of the tree of life and live forever mm. in that state they're now in, that now that they've eaten the tree of knowledge That's of good right. and evil, now that they're in sin. And so the whole point of God kicking them out of the garden is because he loved them and he wanted their future to be good. Not that he was mad at them or disappointed or any right. of that, but he just said, my plan didn't work. <laughs> now, what we need to always understand is it just, and this is where the church has missed it a lot of times over the years. They thought, okay, that didn't work. God put Adam in the garden. It didn't work. He got kicked out, and now the plan's gone. No, no, no. The plan has never, ever, ever changed. The plan's still the plan. Right. God's just having to go a different direction. He's having to bring the plan about but not the way he intended to in the first place. Right. He intended to bring the plan about by Adam and Eve living in the garden forever and him coming down the day in the cool of the day and visiting with them forever and playing with us, visiting with us. Once that became impossible, then God said, I'm still going to do the plan. I'm just not going to do it the way I intended to do it. Uh, you know, I often use the, use the analogy and say, you know, if you were driving from Dallas <laughs> you know, to St. Louis, and uh, you came across a river or got it to St. Louis and uh, the Mississippi River and the bridge is out. You wouldn't just sit down on the side of the road and cry and say, well, we can't go. I guess we can't go to St. Louis. No, I guess right. we can't go. The bridge right, is out. No, right. no. You just say, well, we're still going to go. We're right. just going to have to find a different different way, a different route, a different route uh, to, uh, to make this happen. But you're still going to do it. And so what was God's plan in the first place? His plan was, as we said a couple weeks ago, his plan was to have a family. That's all this whole thing's been about forever. The, the whole thing is because God had these angels in heaven, and they weren't free moral agents. They were, they were belonged to him and did what he told them to. Right. But he wanted a family that would love him because they wanted to, serve mm -hmm. him because they wanted to, and serve him because they love him. And so he said, I'm going to make free moral agents. But he said, I want a family. Mm -hmm. And so he put them in the garden. And the reason we know he wanted a family is because the very first spoken words of God, the creator, to man, the creature, God said, hey, Adam, get your notebook, get your tape recorder, get ready. I'm going I'm to give you your reason for existence on planet Earth. Here, here's, the, here's the reason you exist. You ready for this? Yes, sir, I'm ready. He says, multiply and be fruitful <laughs> or give me a family. 
Right. And, and then after the after they got kicked out of the garden, the plan never changed. God still wants a family, and That's we right. see that in Genesis eight. Whenever God, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whenever Noah and the, the eight the eight people got out of the boat and got out of the ark after the world was destroyed with water, then God the first thing they did is built an altar and sacrificed a, a sacrifice to God. And God said, "Now there's only eight people alive on the whole planet." And and God says, "Now." I'm going to tell you your reason for existence. You ready for this? Get your notepad, get your tape recorder. They said, yes, sir, we're ready. And he said, multiply and be fruitful. So the plan has never changed. It's still, right. I wanted a family in the Garden of Eden. I still want a family. And so then all the way through the Old Testament, he prophesied Jesus is coming. Right. And and then when Jesus got here uh, after the crucifixion, he told them the same thing. He said, here's the plan, guys. Get a notepad, get your tape recorder. You ready for this? Uh, here's your reason for existing on planet Earth. And they said, yes, sir, what is it? And he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believes and baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be dead. In other words, give me a family. I want a family. Go to the world and get them. But in the Hallelujah. Old Testament, they could only get them by by procreation naturally. In other words, a husband and wife uh, come together in pure marital love, and nine months later, a baby's born. But in the in the New Testament, now you can be born again. And so instead of just being born, now you're born. So, so in one crusade, I can have 100,000 babies in a night. I used to tell Jackie, that's real supernatural childbirth. <laughs> and you can have 100,000 babies in one night right. uh, because we're getting them born again. But the whole plan was God wanted a family. The whole plan now is God wants a family. God started the Bible off in Genesis right, by calling right, the kids, right. saying, kids, where right. are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? Daddy's here. And then it's going to end in the, in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, it says that he stands at the door and knocks. Yes. And if any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. Hallelujah. And then Re- Revelation 22, the end of the whole Bible, he's, he's going to call the kids again. He's going to say, kids, come on home. It's supper time. Yes, yes, come and yes. dine. I've got supper ready. Everybody come home. Come on, kids. <laughs> so the Bible starts with God calling the kids. Yes. It yes. ends with God calling God the, kids. the kids. And all this whole thing's been about all this time. The Bible is about God put the kids in the garden. Right. He lost them. He's been looking for them. He's going to get them back and take them to heaven. And that's why the Bible also says that in the ages to come, in other words, the whole concept being is that it says we will rule and reign with him forever. Sure. So it it comes back again down to spiritual authority. Know who you are. Absolutely. Well, our time is gone here for the moment, and we'll be right back. Hi there, glad you're back. Uh, we're just, you know, talking about all the wonderful things that we know that God has had planned for us, and that is that we fellowship with Him, is that we rule and reign with Christ Jesus, that He gave us dominion, therefore giving us attached with that the authority as well as the power to take spiritual authority and rule and reign in this earth, oh, Jerry. Of course, of course. You know, Oral Roberts and I used to spend a lot of time together mm-hmm. when we both lived in Tulsa. He moved off to California, and I moved off as well. But, but we used to spend a lot of time together. And so he, he or Evelyn had called and just say, hey, run up to the office. And I'd, I'd run up to ORU, and you know, we'd either have lunch or dinner or just sit and visit. And uh, he told me one time, he said, he said, Terry, he said, there's three keys to, uh, to serving God or knowing how to do things with God. Right. And he said, number one is you need to know the will of God. Right. Know the will of God. And he said, number two, don't confer with flesh and blood. In right. other words, don't go around asking me what they think about it or if they think you should do <laughs> it or right. not. And number yeah, three, he said, get your job done at all cost. Right. And Renee, you know me. I, I've, I've lived that way now right. and, and striven to live that way ever since the day he told me that, that I'll know what the will of God is. 
I won't ask anybody what they think about it, and I'll get my job done at all costs. And I think we've got a track record of, of, yes, of, yes. of proving that, of demonstrating that over uh, all, all these years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I used to, I've said all over the world and preached all over the world, uh, just a real simple little thing. I've told people, I said, hey, I'm going to give you a word tonight. And I said, it's got nine points to it. And I said, don't get stressed out over that because I can, you don't even have to write it down. You'll remember yeah. it forever. Right, and right. if you see me 25 years from now, and I'll say, what's those nine things? You'll remember it because it's so mm-hmm. simple, but yet it's so profound. It really is. And, and number one, it's it's no. you need to know who God is. Right. Know what God has, number two. Know what God can do, number three. You need to know, number four, who you are. Number five, what you have. Number six, what you can do. And number seven, who the devil is. And number eight, what the devil has. And number nine, what the devil can do. Right. And, of course, the answer to the last three is he's nobody. He can do nothing. He has nothing. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, that's so simple, simple, right. simple. Right. But so profound that if you know who you are. Right. What which you Jesus have did. and what you can yeah. do. Yeah. Which is what we talked about a week or two ago about Jesus. We said, why didn't Jesus jump? When yes. The devil said, jump down off here because God will give angels charge over right. you. And we said, why didn't Jesus jump? Uh, well, because Jesus knew you don't cancel one promise of God with right. another. Right. Because when you cancel, and some people get mad at me when they, they hear me say this because they don't, they don't get it. They don't understand it. But I've said for many times, when you, when you cancel or when you violate covenant principles— you cancel covenant promises. That's real important for everybody to think of it because Jesus was the wisdom of God, the power of God, and you still have to think about this right. But he knew who and he practically. was. Yeah, he Jesus knew what knew. he could do, what he right. had, and knew what he know could do. Know your rights. He knew who his father was, what he had, and what he could do, knew right. who the devil was. And so right. here's the devil in his face tempting him. And, yeah. and Jesus thinking, you're, you're nobody. Uh, <laughs> but the devil gave him a, 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 a challenge. Right. Yeah. First of all, to prove who he was, and then secondly, he said, "Throw yourself down. I'll jump down here because after all, Psalm ninety-one says God will rescue right. you and the angels." And Jesus said, "No, it's written, man, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." Yes. So Jesus knew I can't take this promise of the angels will bear me up right. and save me, right. uh, and I can't violate it with this promise that I'm going to jump off this building because that's tempting God, and and I'm, you're trying to. You're, you're trying to take advantage of a promise to God by violating another. It just That's won't good. ever work. You know, it'll never That's work. That's right. That's uh, right. But, but Jesus knew who he was. Yes. He always knew who he was. Right. And when we know who we are and understand who we are uh, in Christ, I wrote a little book way back decades ago. That's right. Just a little mini book. It's wonderful. Called God's Opinion of You. That. Uh, and I based it on the fact that Paul said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, right, Romans which 12. I totally agree with. Right. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And if, you, if you're thinking too high yourself, you need to come down a notch. But by the same token, don't think of yourself too low. Too low. And if you are, then come up a notch or two. Right. Because, and I said to the Lord, well, then how should I think of me? Well, what should I see when I look in the mirror? When I look in the mirror, what should I see? Should I see just filthy rags, unrighteousness, unworthiness, just an old <laughs> sinner saved by grace? Or what should I see? And so I went to the Word and said, what does God see when he looks at me? And I got all those scriptures there from the New Testament saying, you know, you're, you're the righteousness right. of God. You're healed. Yes. You're blessed. You're prosperous. You're a child of God. You're an heir and joint heir of Jesus Christ. And all those scriptures of what God says you are. And so when you start seeing who God says you are right. and then knowing who you are. And then we always have preached that faith begins. And everybody, you all know we're faith people. Um, 
faith begins where the will of God is known. That's right. In fact, I've just got a brand new book out called uh, Pulling Down Strongholds, mm-hmm. and I deal a lot with that, that faith begins right. where the will of God is known. If you don't know what the will of God is about something, you're not going to have faith for it. You know, even when you pray, you're going to say, eh, even though I'm praying about this, I'm not sure if that's the will of God or not. But if you know what the will of God is, you pray hard, you pray strong, and you pray in authority, in dominion, right. in spiritual authority. That sounds right. And and so faith begins where the will of God is known. That's you right. know who you are, know who, what you have, know what you can do, and so on and so forth. And that's why Jesus was able to do the things he did, because he knew who the devil was. Mm-hmm. He knew what the devil had, knew what the devil could do. He knew where his limitations were. But he knew who God was, what he had, and what he could do, and no limitations. And and he knew who he was, and what he had, and what he could do. And so he operated in that spiritual authority and that spiritual dominion on planet Earth. And we're supposed to do that too. Now we we have every human on the planet, Renee, has an inherent authority. It's not a spiritual right. authority, but they have an inherent authority yes. that just belongs to them. In other words, in other words, when you have kids or your kids. You know, they're not they're not they're not the government's kids, even though the government tries to take them over. You know, they're not somebody else's kids. They're your kids. So you have authority over your your child. You know, you have authority over your body. That's your body. It's not somebody else's body. It's your body. Uh, You have authority over over, you know, the the town you live in. If you know how to operate in it, then now you're getting into spiritual authority. But, you know, if you have a dog at your house, that's your dog. Uh, And you tell that dog to come and go. You, You have authority automatically inherently in certain areas other areas you have to discover where the spiritual authority is that you have spiritual authority i talked a few weeks ago about about hurricanes and went out to the beach and spoke to a hurricane to it to go away and it did and i could tell a bunch of those stories by the way uh but but that's spiritual authority because i knew who i was what i had what i could do and i knew where the will of god began i knew it wasn't the will of god for that for that hurricane to hit my town it had that hurricane hit my town, it would have killed people. Right. It would have damaged property. Uh, that's never the will of God. Jesus no. said, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not God. He said, I've come to give you life in that more abundantly. Hallelujah. So I knew, well, <laughs> killing, stealing, start, and, and destroying the, the hurricane, that's not the will of God. Life in abundance is the will of God. So, hurricane, you need to get out of here. And I took authority and dominion in that area. So that's what well. we've been talking about, what we're going to keep on talking about here for a few more weeks, I'm sure. Uh, and so go back and get some of those old programs and catch up with us where we are. And uh, it would do you well to just really get into this area of spiritual authority that God said you have dominion. Exactly. It's, you know, it belongs to every believer. It's, Terry, it's something that, that even though we were Christians in years past, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in yes. Pentecostal church, wonderful, uh, kind, good, caring people. Yes, yes, Nobody yes. ever really said you have authority or God gave no, them dominion. Not. No, of course Nobody not. Nobody used the word dominion or authority mm-hmm. or, you know, I command you. No, no mm-hmm. we were not taught that, even though we were taught to be faithful. Uh, Bible reading Christians yes. and be at church and pray and and read your Bible and and give your money to help other people. I mean, we just we just never were taught all that. So it's so important for people to go back and re-examine their life, their thinking, renewing their mind to the Word of God, so that you begin to understand that it is a legal right that belongs to you to operate in spiritual authority. Amen? Well, our time is gone for today, and we have so enjoyed talking to you about this subject because it's 
it's something we got to have in the last day. So until our next program and we get to see you again, we're going to say to you one more time and remind you that you are more More than than conquerors. conquerors. God bless you. Bye-bye.